Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks, everybody. With me, your host, Aaron Mashbitz, aka Jackson Stone. This is episode 132 of the podcast. And I'm pleased today to welcome Damon to the podcast. Thank you. Hey, man. Hey. Thanks for joining me. I'm excited. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I really am. I really am. <clears throat> so uh, another guest here that basically I have just randomly run into in my life that I have found to be interesting. We've also gotten very intimately close, which will explain why, I'm sure, throughout. But um, yeah, I'm pumped to have you on. I'm pumped to learn more about you because when I do see you at jiu-jitsu, it's very hard to like actually talk yeah. to you about... actually have a conversation. Your life, where you came from, how you got to where you're doing now, yeah. all these things, um, bits and pieces. And so, yeah, pumped to uh, be in your house. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. Very nice. And, uh, and get to know you a little bit. So... Before we get into really the meat and bones of your entire life, from age zero to what, how old are you now? 38, 39, 38. 39. I'll be uh, 40 in August. Heck yeah. Yeah. You're hitting your peak. My, yeah. You're, you're on your way out. I'm approaching so. my prime. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. I'm a more I've so. seen you move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, but before we get into all that, your business, you're being a father, yeah. all that stuff, I have one very important question to mm -hmm. ask you. How are you doing today? Uh, like really, I'm, how are you doing? I'm great. I, I really, I, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the podcast. I, I really enjoy the podcast. Oh, thank you. Um, and since we talked about doing this, mm -hmm. it's like, because we talked about doing this a few a months ago. ago. Yeah. And then every time I listen to the podcast, you ask the question. And every time in my head, I'm like, you got to have something good. Like, you got to <laughs> have something good. Um, and then I listen to the other guests and they have phenomenal answers. I mean, really in-depth, phenomenal answers. Uh, and mine's just, I'm good. Like I am, I, I honestly am like good. My, uh, health wise, I feel great. Um, my marriage is, you know, it, we've been married for 11 years. Uh, and that's been an incredible experience. We have three healthy kids. Um, business is, I mean, business is good, but like good in the sense of there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. But you're just you just keep going through it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's it's more about the attitude and the mindset. I feel like the attitude and the mindset and the approach and the uh, I I really enjoy the grind of everything. Yeah. And so that's where I'm good. Hmm. <clears throat> this is it. someone asked me this uh, like uh, like two weeks ago at a friendsgiving. Are you a what, what's better to you if something's like like excellent? Is that like oh pretty good or is that good? Oh. That'd be, for me, that'd be great. But so pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. what I said too. I, I, I would be above good. Like for me, good is my baseline. Almost like, a, I'd say, if it's going a little bit bad, it's good. And if it's going, if it's going pretty good, it's good. Yeah. But there's something that's excellent. It's excellent. It's excellent or pretty good or great. great. Yeah, yeah, I say pretty good too. Yeah. Like, had an excellent recording with someone. I was yeah. like, yeah, was, my girlfriend asked me, I was like, that's pretty good. Like you get something away from it. Like yeah. if I'm taking something away from it, but if we're just, if we're just going through the day, if it's, if it's just a good day where nothing great happened mm -hmm. and, and nothing super, super, super bad happened, um, it's just good. Right. Reminds me of Jocko. You listen to Jocko? Yes. Everything's good. I, uh, I listened to that recording. He has a, the, the, um, I go on YouTube and just type in Jocko good. Yeah. And I, love the just the mindset behind it 
Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I love that mindset behind it. Like find something good. It, and to me, it's grateful. Like find something grateful. You can, you can be grateful for almost any situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's a super, super shitty situation, it's not going to be, it's hard to look at and say good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think eventually you can pull something, you can pull gratitude from it. Yeah. Like you can pull a lesson from something. Right. Yeah. It's like, you're not, you're not forcing anything. Yes. Right. But you're still trying to see that glimmer of light in some of these most dire situations. Yeah. Right. If something, the thing is like, if something really bad happens and I'm forcing you to be like, see the good right now. Yeah. See it, dude. See it. Be grateful for this. Right now. Yeah. The reason is right now. Both your legs are broken. Like what's the lesson? Like what's the, that's. Get that jacked up top. Right. <laughs> like eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Two months, three, whatever it is for that person. Yeah. We can be like, okay, now, right. We're still breathing. Yeah. One. Great. Yeah. Now we build from there. Yeah. Right. Or yes, you lost a family member, sibling, mom, dad. Okay. What did they teach you? How yeah. can they still be with you? Like what are these lessons? Yeah. But in the moment people get caught up in that. Yeah. They're always like, there's a reason for everything, man. But it, especially when it just happens. Uh, like, I understand the sentiment now that I can think about things a lot more clearly. Yeah. And I've said it before. Or like, hey, man, everything's going to be okay. I don't fucking know if it's going to be okay. Right. I don't. I hope. I'm going to work towards it being okay. Yeah. I'm going to try my best to make sure it's okay. And it probably will be. Yeah. Because that's just how life works. Yeah. If you're still breathing, it's, it's still, actually okay. There's still a glimmer of hope. Right. Yeah. But in those moments, I think we could do better as friends or family members to like, Say something mm. different, you know, because sometimes we don't have to say anything. Yeah. Like if I just hug you or like put my hand on you or like give you some physical contact, yeah. or look you in the eye and be like, I'm here. Yeah. Like, I think that's just as good, if not better than saying these sort of words that will have a large impact later on. Yeah. But in the moment, they're not as, they don't resonate as much as you want. And in my experience, personally, when people said that to me, it actually made me feel worse yeah. and it made me feel angry. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, because I'm like, what do you, what the fuck do you know? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sitting in the middle of my grief right now. Maybe you do know a lot. Maybe your situation's exactly the same, but I can't even see through the fog at this yeah. point. And so you just being there means more than you telling me that it's going to be okay. Yeah. Because I have to figure that out for myself. Yeah, just having that level of empathy. That, that took, I think it took, for me, it was marriage. It, it took communicating through marriage to actually understand. Sometimes just be quiet or ask how you can help. Mm. Like that's, and maybe, you know, if it's a grief situation, it's just, it's how can I help? It's like the person can't even answer. Right. If they just went through a horrible tragedy, I mean, they might not be able to answer. Might not be. But just be, just being there for somebody and understand their situation. Be comfortable with the quietness and and don't try to fix something that's going to take a long time to fix. Don't try to fix it in 10 seconds. Yeah. You know, for something that's going to take years or permanently change that person forever and Mm -hmm. they have to get used to being that new person. Right. That's also, yeah, that's also very true. See, look at that. We went all, we got all the way there just from that. How are you question? (laughs) I like it. Um, But to ask a follow-up question to the, how are you is you said you're good. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of your baseline. Yeah. Is there times in your life where it wasn't that way? Yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I I would say, uh, that's funny you bring that up. Yeah. I was just totally unrelated to the podcast. I was thinking about that. Uh, either last night or this morning, I would say um, from like 22 to 26. Age 22 to age 26. Yes. Okay. Was just. Was rough. Yeah. Yeah. Why? What were you doing? It was just rough. I, I, um, I was a college athlete. I, I swam. 
Um, I only swam for three years. You swam where? At Texas, the University of Texas. Great. And so I was, I was, and so it's the best swim program in the entire world. Is like it? it? It's hands down the best in the world. They have more Olympians come out of there. Holy um, shit. I don't know how many national titles they have at this point, but it's got to be in the 30s. Like it's wow! I didn't realize that. That's crazy. University it's, of Texas at Austin was that good at had a swimming reputation. It, it's the it, it's. I mean, it really is probably the best in the world. Like no hyperbole behind that. Sure. Like it's factually the best in the world. Um, I only and, really knew of, not to cut you off. Well, yeah. I did cut you off anyway. But not to cut you off. But I'm totally going to. <laughs> I only knew really about Stanford's swimming program because really? I, I listened to the Rich Roll podcast and he swam at Stanford. Oh, okay. And a lot of people he has on are, are related to that program. So, um, yeah, so Stanford, Stanford and Texas, when I was in, I graduated high school in 02. Up until that point, Stanford and Texas would go back and forth. Stanford was by mm. far Texas' big, biggest rivalry. Um, and one of my, my heroes, like he was three years older than me. Yeah. We, we swam together in Texas growing up. We were on the same team. He went to Texas. And so he would come back and he'd always talk trash about Stanford. Sure. And they'd always talk trash about Stanford. And I was like, yeah, man. Like, forget Stanford. Fuck Stanford. Stanford sucks. Um, which is funny looking back. But then I took a recruiting trip to Auburn. I didn't know anything about SEC football. I didn't know anything about Auburn. I didn't know where Auburn was. Yeah. Um, and I meet. I sit down with the coach. And he's like, hey, we can give you this giant scholarship. And in swimming, probably like baseball, it's, it's, there's a limited amount of scholarships on the team. How many swimmers are, is there usually on the squad? 20, I'd say 22 to 24 to make a really good NCAA top three competitive team. And how many full scholarships do you have? At the time, and again, this is early 2000s, 9.9. Right. 9. Wow. And so I came in, at, like we had, um, we had the world record holder in the 100 and 200 backstroke, who was my year, like full ride. Mm. Um, the silver medalist in breaststroke, full ride. The, another gold medal, another few gold medalists on the team. Like, like so... The state champ of Texas, right, isn't getting any kind of giant scholarship. It's it's like we can get you into the school and here's some books. Like we can we can cover your books. Wow. And so I I, went, I looked at these other schools and and uh, Auburn came at me early and they were like, hey, we're gonna give you. It was a, it was big for swimming. It was like a sixty percent scholarship. It was a That's big huge. scholarship. He was like, but I need to know now because I have to offer this to the other kids. And I was like, this is a recruiting tactic for sure. He was like, talk to your parents, call your parents, you know, make up your mind because I have to offer this to somebody. And I was like, cool, man. I'm going to wait and see what Texas offers me. And Texas comes in with books. I just had no idea what was going on. But then Auburn went on to win the next four national championships in a row. And so in my head, it was like Stanford. Like, like don't go to Stanford. <laughs> Forget Stanford is the second best program. Mm -hmm. And then that year, they, they, yeah, they went on to win four in a row. Auburn did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But as a really went a different direction. No, I have tons of follow-up questions. You do? That, <laughs> go ahead. But, but I don't want to keep going on your story. I was going to go back to the, to the high school or to college. Yeah, great. Mm. So, um, so I went to Texas and it really was like a, uh, if you want to say, like I kind of coasted through high school and didn't really have any responsibility. And then you go and you're off on your own in Austin. Uh, a lot of distractions down there. Didn't really have a looking back. Um, I didn't have a solid basis of who I was. I didn't have confidence in who I was. And so it was, it, when you don't know where you're going, it's like any path will get you there. Mm -hmm. And I was taking every path. Like if it was the wrong path, if it was the right path, I was trying to do everything uh, and really just burned out. I mean, partied too much, mm -hmm. really um, looking back in a, in a deep pit of d depression um, and was self-medicating, alcohol, partying, 
Um, and that just doesn't work. Like when you're, when you're trying to be a college athlete, unless you're incredibly, incredibly talented, if you want to succeed, especially, you know, one of the best programs in the nation, um, it's just not going to work. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to, you'll the problem will fix itself, right? You're going to find your way off the team mm-hmm. somehow. And so that's what happened. And then when you go, and I, I saw this with a lot of athletes. I don't know if, if, if you saw it in baseball, um, but I saw it with a lot of my athlete friends is you do something your entire life and then you're just done, right? You're just, you are done. Mm-hmm. Like your whole identity, like I was a swimmer. Mm-hmm. It was the whole identity was, was swimming. Everybody talked to me about swimming. Everybody, everybody didn't know anything about swimming. It was like, yeah, it's going to the Olympics. Like you win Texas state, like you're going to the Olympics. Mm. And it's just, I was, I mean, it was really far from the Olympics, but. But that's the idea. Though. That's the, yeah. That's the identity that, that I developed for myself. And then if I'm a hard worker, I'm a hard worker because of swimming. Mm. Like if I was helping somebody move, I would move more boxes, but that's because I was a swimmer because I was in good shape and I, and I accept hard work. Mm. And then all of that, um, it doesn't get taken away from you, but you, you basically take it away from yourself. You lose it. And it's like, who are you? And I, I didn't know who I was. And so if I'm not the swimmer. The next was that I'm a very social party guy. And so swimming's gone, party guy's there. And then it was just, I mean, it's just this, it's just a, it's a downward spiral yeah. when, you, when you don't get yourself out of it. So you swam or, for three years though. And then the fourth year you didn't at in Texas? The, yeah, in the middle of the third year. Um, in the middle of the third year, and this is where I, I know it's some mental issues, but middle of the third year, I stopped going to practice. And then I showed up to talk to my coach and the coach was like, Hey, you need to go talk to the doctor. And then kind of walked off. And I was like, damn. And at the time I was like, well, why would he do that to me? Like I thought he cared, but you're talking about one of, and I think there was 35 guys on the team at the time. Mm-hmm. You're talking about one of 35 guys who didn't show up for practice. Who's been in a downward spiral, who he probably tried to help multiple times in the last three years. Right. And then like, what's he supposed to do? Right. At some point, I don't know. As a, maybe as a coach, like at some point you have to protect yourself. Yeah. And recognize who you can help and who you can't help. And you can't, you can't help everybody. And so, um, and then, so yeah, I, I went into the assistant coach's office another week later and, and quit. And you quit. Yeah. Cause you thought what, that was the best decision for you or you just, you just had enough. I, I had enough. It was, I was kind of burnt out too. I'd been swimming. I've been doing two days and swimming since I was 10. Mm-hmm. Um, been swimming since, competitively since I was five. And then, and you get, I don't know, man, it's when you get into like depression or you get into a emotionally unhealthy state, I feel like it's really easy to hit the highs and the lows. Yeah. And at that point I was like, this is what's good for the team. Like I'm being a good teammate, mm. not by don't, don't be a good teammate by showing up to practice when you don't want to. Don't be a good teammate by quitting drinking, right? Don't be a good teammate by getting good sleep and, and eating healthy and being the best version of yourself. Be a good teammate by removing yourself from the situation. Like this is the, yeah. um, I don't know what the word is for it, but it's like pious. Like it's, you know, this is the, uh, I'm a martyr. Like yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice myself for the good of the team. Yeah. It's basically claiming in an uh, easy way, like rationality via unearned moral virtue. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're claiming to be a, this moral person yeah. Yeah. through doing the least hard thing, <laughs> exactly. which is you quitting. Know, quitting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. And then after that, it was just a, uh, and you, you finished that Texas? You graduated? Uh, no, I didn't graduate until COVID. Like two years ago? Yeah. yeah my, uh, my degree is from like 2020. Wow. Yeah. So what happened after that? So you quit the swimming team? Yeah, I quit the swim team. And then I had, um, and I was there for five years. So I was there for another two years. But it was, um, it, it, it just, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't understand how college worked. I didn't understand mm. the importance of college. 
the point. I didn't understand, maybe not the importance. I understand, I understand the point of college. Right. Um, I, I knew I wanted to make money, but I, I thought if you wanted to make money, you had to have a college degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you don't know what you want to do, like it's pointless, right? It's, it's absolutely pointless. And so I changed majors in like the end of my third year and uh, to a, to, I was an English major, which I really enjoy reading and writing, went to a science-based major in kinesiology um, because there were supposed to be more coaches as teachers and they would help out athletes and former athletes. Sure. Um, but, you know, failed a few science classes and then it's like the school, I've got on academic probation and at a certain point, I think my parents were like, what do you like, like stay in school or, or get a job, mm-hmm. but like do one or the other. Don't, don't just stay there taking out student loans and do nothing. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll get a job and got on Craigslist and found a sales job and fell into sales. Hmm. Do you think about your college experience a lot? Um, now that you're in this place where, you know, from the outsider's perspective, things have worked out. Mm-hmm. Obviously not perfectly by any means. I would never use that, but you know, Oh, I, I mean, I would you say said before healthy family, yeah. you're healthy, all these things. I would say, I'd, I'd say, um, yeah, right. Nothing can ever be perfect. I am a perfect situation for me right now. Like it's, I mean, um, if, if you're like, Hey, describe perfect, it's healthy relationship with my wife, healthy relationship with myself. Um, my kids are healthy, healthy relationship there. Like I, I feel, um, I feel perfect in each of those. They can always get better, but I, I that does feel like perfection to me right now. Yeah. So while you're in that spot, what, how, how do you, do you reflect upon college? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, want, um, do you wish it went differently or do you think it went the way it needed to go? I, I, I used to, I used to wish it went differently. I spent a lot of time thinking about how it went differently. And then I was talking to, uh, I was talking to a therapist, um, and we were doing, we were doing like business coaching mm-hmm. and she was like, well, you know, what's on your mind? I'm like, well, I want to go back and get my degree. And she was like, why? I was like, I just feel like I want to check that box off. Uh, and my wife, I, I tried to go back when COVID first started because everything went online. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to drive, but I was going to drive down to Austin. I had this all mapped out. I was going to be going. We had uh, one kid and another one on the way at the time. And I'm like, all right, babe, here it is. I'm going to drive down Tuesday morning. If you need me back Tuesday night, I'll drive home and I'll drive back down on Thursday morning. If you don't need me, I'm going to spend the night Tuesday and Wednesday and I'll be home Thursday night because I was going to take Tuesday, Thursday classes. Mm-hmm. And she was like... Um, she was like, I don't know if this is going to work. Let's keep talking about it. And at a certain point, she was like, what is this going to change? Right. Like, are you going to, is this going to make you a better salesperson? Like, no. She was like, are you going to make more money because of it? No. Is it going to take time and focus away from business and family and health and these, these priorities? Like, is this a priority for you? Like, no. So you're like, this isn't the right time. And then COVID hit and it was actually the right time because it's all online, man. Like, it's like I could wake up at yeah. you know, 4.30 and work until 7.30 and then... That was school. Um, but so I, th- I would think about it a lot in that sense. But then this therapist said something to me and she was like, well, what do you do? It's like, well, I work with people that, that say the same thing over and over. And we're re- like, I really try to get them to focus on the future rather than just focus on the past. Like I try to get them on focus on activity rather than focus on where they've been or what they didn't do. And she was like, okay, now relate that back to your college experience. Say you went through school swimming. You graduated in four years. You guys won a national championship. Um, maybe you went and swam, had a professional race. So you, can, you know, you, you could say you were a professional swimmer just for your ego. Right. She was like, "What? What would your life look like? Would you be able to relate to somebody who hadn't experienced failure and made a big deal about failure?" 
like, no, like that. And that's like my whole life's purpose. I feel like my whole calling into what I'm doing now is served by, by being like drop, making horrible decisions and living with those and, and living in that regret. And now I, I can actually relate to people mm. and help them through it. So that's how you reflect on college. Now. Yeah. Now I look at college and I mean, it's so, I mean, you look at, um, I think anybody looks at their life and like one decision leads to a totally different current reality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I probably would, if, if I would have finished in Austin, I probably would have got a job in Austin because I really wanted to work in Austin, but I didn't have a degree and nobody was hiring people without degrees in Austin mm-hmm. at the time. And so wouldn't have met my wife or not. I knew my wife from high school, but, um, wouldn't have got together with my wife. Wouldn't have three kids. I mean, it's just like you take those away and I don't want to make another decision my whole life. Like I don't want to change anything about my past when you look at when I when I look at this now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people rarely think about the sort of downstream effects of these sort of mundane choices that we potentially can make. Yeah. Like quitting the swimming team is not a mundane choice. Right. But it does have downstream effects that you would never predict. Yeah. Right. And you can think about it in such a simple way, like eating a donut for lunch. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to eat this donut for lunch. No nutritional value, not right. going to give me any energy, but it tastes good in the moment. Yeah. That day, you probably won't see any effects. Right. Right. Okay. Donut's good. I feel pretty good. And I'm kind of at three o'clock. I'm very tired, yeah. but I'm always tired at three o'clock. So whatever. Yeah. So have, have a coffee. So I'll have a coffee. Right. And then sort of other very basic decisions, but you don't have any sort of second order thinking. So you're yeah. like, this is fine. And then the next day comes, you do it again. And then the third day comes and you have a meeting now at three o'clock. Yeah. You're not energized because you're eating donuts for lunch. Yeah. For only two days. Normally you have a pretty good lunch. Right. Could be better probably, but right. we'll say donuts. And then the third day you have a meeting at three with your boss and you're supposed to present this something and it's going to be the, the big leap in your career. You blow it because you have little energy and you lacked focus. Little sleep. You had caffeine to right. keep yourself awake at three o'clock the past two days because right. you were worried about the, uh, worried about the presentation. Mm-hmm. And then you're jacked up at six or seven o'clock. So mm-hmm. you have a drink. Mm-hmm. One drink leads to two or three drinks. Mm-hmm. You wake up hungover and tired. What do you do at lunch? Because you need a little pick me up. You have a donut mm-hmm. that you crash again. It's just, yeah. It's a reoccurring cycle. Yeah. And now at three o'clock, you don't present well. Yeah. You know, maybe you don't get fired, but you don't get the raise you want. Right. Now you're unhappy at work. You don't get to go on the trip you wanted with your wife because you don't have the extra funds that you plan on having. Yeah. And all of these things happen based on one single choice of a donut. Of a donut. <laughs> yep. And I'm not saying that's how your whole life is, it, it but is though, it man. is how it your is. whole life is. It is. And so it's not that you have to be so meticulous about every decision you make all the time, but you have to think about these you have, things. You have to be aware of, of the choices that you're making are going to lead. So um, my father-in-law wrote this book called The Slight Edge. Okay. And uh, recently, like this project I've been working on recently is kind of not, not uh, revamping the brand, but he's never done anything with it. Like it's a, in a good way. It was a New York Times bestseller. It's a uh, Amazon top seller. It's a US Today bestseller. It's like all these bestseller lists. Do you want to come on the pod? <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> he will. He will. Um, but he wrote, but he, so he wrote this book in, in 2005 mm-hmm. because he, he's traveling around. He's, he's working with a bunch of different distributors and salespeople and he's helping people get their business started. And he gets the same question over and over and over and over and over again. He said, well, instead of answering this question over and over and over again, I'm going to write a book. Mm-hmm. And his whole, like he'd do a six hour training that was all about every decision you make puts you on an upward curve or a downward curve. Mm-hmm. And so he writes this book and he puts it out there. And somebody asks him the question, he says, here, here's a free copy of the book. Or here's the website where you can get the book. Or in 2005, it was like, send a letter to this address right. and 15 bucks and we will send you a book. 
Like it was, he never did anything with it. He did it to save himself time so he can go and continue to build a business. Uh. And then it just grew and grew and grew grassroots. And it's like baseball teams would, would pick it up. Football teams, college football teams would pick it up. Um, and then they'd, they'd have this awesome story of like, we went from a, I think there was some team in, in Iowa. And I think it was University of Iowa or maybe Iowa State, but their football team picked it up and they were, it's when they were like a two and two and nine or something like that. And then they go to like a 10 and one team. Mm-hmm. And it's literally because they started to become aware of the day of the moment by moment choices that you're making. It's not like you said, it's not a donut's not a bad choice, right? Donut every day is a bad choice mm-hmm. or be aware of that choice. So when you do start to crash at uh, three o'clock, maybe have an apple, like right. don't have a Red Bull, don't have a coffee. Have something that's going to give you a little bit of energy, but that's not going to continue the snowball down the hill. Right. You can kind of overtake some of that down the negative effects of the donut yeah. because you're aware that you ate it. You know you possibly shouldn't, but it makes you feel good right yeah. now, and that's what you need. But then you have a you know something that's good for you yeah. at 3 p.m. Yeah. You know, uh, energy drink that's high quality, nutritious, yeah. Yeah. right? Whatever a uh, a greens shake, anything, right? Yeah. There's tons, tons of options that to aren't get just some healthy energy. A Red Bull, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and so yeah, I think that's that's cool though. So what's the book called? The Slight Edge. Yeah, nice. What, what's his name? What's the author? Jeff Olson. Sweet. Yeah. Hmm. Soon to be seen on Jackson Talks. On Jackson Talks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I wanted to uh, talk about the scholarships because I think that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. So there's about, you said about 23 athletes on a good swim team. If, if you had a really good squad, and, and honestly, it's probably about 30. 30. You have some guys that just won't make the NCAA team. Sure. Okay, so 30 guys. But and, they're necessary there to push the other people. I mean, they're, they're a part of the team. Right. And then you have about, you have about 10 scholarships, we'll say. Yeah. And baseball is very similar. Yeah. It's about, it's a little over 30 guys. Yeah. Uh, and you have 11.6 scholarships. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, anyone who gets over like 60% on a swimming or a baseball team. At, well, I'm coming from a very, very small school. Yeah. You're coming from a huge school. So I'm sure they give people huge scholarships at University of Texas, then tell other people, hey, we'll pay for your books. And yeah. it's still like a good school to go to. So you're just going to go. Yeah, it was really interesting too. It'd be um, like some of the good guys, I mean, if they came from a wealthy family or they had savings for a scholarship, they'd say, hey, just give me half. And then use the other half to recruit better people. Mm. So that was always cool. Yeah, that's that's sweet. Yeah, because I got a I got a forty percent scholarship yeah. at South Dakota State, and that was like a big thing. Yeah, you know, some of my other friends uh, got around that or less than that. If you're from South Dakota, then it was a little different. But it's just interesting how oh, right. some of those sports that don't bring in all of the money, swimming and baseball don't yeah. really bring in any money. Right. How little scholarships people get. Yeah. And then how how what like an outsider's view of a scholarship is. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you tell people you got a scholarship, you're like, oh, you didn't have to pay for school? Like, well, that's that's not true. I'm actually in some massive debt. <laughs> like, I, I did get a lot of benefit, right? Yeah. I'm not I'm not claiming that athletes don't get a lot of benefit. Huge, they do huge get amounts. a ton. Like, I get yeah. uh, first selection on my classes. Yeah. You know, I get someone to help me. There's two, uh, tutors. tutors. Especially if you can get in with the football team tutors. Right. It's like all this stuff is extra. Yeah. We still have to put in a lot of work. And so that, that's, I think that's very, quite interesting. Yeah. You have to do something. Yeah. But <clears throat> I, I had some similar feelings that you had post college. Yeah. I, my, everything was wrapped in baseball. Mm-hmm. Of course, obviously same with you. I started playing ball at like four. Yeah. I was on like three or four teams all yeah. the time growing up in this little, in this area, like down the street from this house. Yeah. 
Uh, and then you get to college and then it becomes even more of your life. Yep. And I was the same as you. Like I was uh, in high school, I just did baseball. That's, that was my whole everything. I didn't have any friends. Yeah. I, I was a part of some Jewish youth groups because of my sister. So that was awesome. God yeah. bless. Thank God I had something like that to actually communicate with right. people and have in touch with some sort of faith and religion. Yeah. But I didn't put I didn't put full effort into it. Yeah. And I, I think about that a lot now too. Then I go to college and I'm like, who, who do I want to be? Well, I start drinking alcohol. Yeah. People start to like me. I start getting good at baseball, start becoming popular on campus. Girls are attracted to me. Oh, I have to study. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I also need to work out because I care about baseball, but I also want to be social yeah. and want people to like me and I want to drink. It's like... Holy shit, there's like time management skills aren't don't exist. No. And you just figure it out on the fly. Did they try to teach them to you though? N- not really. I feel like I had a good exposure. I had good exposure to time management skills. Like they tried to do something. Yeah. I was just so um I want to say dumb. I was just so I yeah, it's just because I think it's just dumb. When you have choices like that, it, it, maybe it's just immature, maybe it, there's probably a better word for it, but I was so dumb I could not I, I didn't pick up anything. Like mm-hmm. they tried to do it. The guys on my team were like, hey, we're all going to study hall, Damon. Come with us. Yeah. And I'd be like, nah, man, I'm going to go eat and then <laughs> hang out and play video games. Like it wasn't, <laughs> it, it, I had people around me who were trying to help. Yeah. But you can't help people that don't want to be helped. Like I, I was in a place where I did not want to be helped. Mm-hmm. Whether whether it's, it's stupidity, you just don't know it, or, or ignorance. Mm-hmm. If you're just ignorant to it and you don't recognize it or you're actually making the choice, like, nah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't understand the long-term ramifications of my moment-by-moment moment choice. Right. Yeah. I, I don't, because like, I don't view it as them giving us time management skills because when my schedule is basically blocked out every hour of every day, yeah. I'm not managing anything. That's true. I'm just going to where I'm told to be going. And in the, in the, the two hours I have of free time, or the weekends that I have free or after practice or my only free time, yeah. then my time management skills come into place. And what am I doing? Yeah. I'm going to the bar, I'm going to this house, I'm going yeah. to this place, right? But when from 4.30 workouts to end of practice at seven, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to manage anything. I have yeah. to be in this place or I'm done. Yeah. Um, and so that's why when athletes leave school, they have to think about that. Yeah. You have to think about like, Okay, what are all of the strengths that I actually acquired to get to the position that I got to? Yes. Whether or not I, I blew the opportunity or not, that is a different conversation and yeah. a different thing you have to get introspective on. But what are the skills that you extrapolated from getting to that position? Because very few people get Division One scholarships right. in any sport. Right. So you've now reached an elite level. Yeah. And so and then athletes have a hard time seeing themselves as anything else but using those same strengths to get yeah. good at anything else. Yeah. Because I only I only use the tools I had to get good at baseball. Yeah. I can't use them anywhere else. <laughs> what do you mean? Yep. You can't work, use patience, hard work, being a good teammate, showing up, like literally showing you up. Think about uh, baseball with just resilience, like like dealing with failure. It's like you guess the the best player in the world still fails more than they succeed. Right, three out of ten. Yep. You're really good anywhere. If you're, I mean, in sales, I think three out of ten is probably pretty good. If you have three really good sales, yeah, I usually use one out of ten. But it's the same. It, it's, it's the same thing. Three out of ten, one out of ten. There, it doesn't feel different. Right. Like if you're getting seven no's, it does it's not feel hard. different. It's yeah. hard. That's why I tell my players all the time. Like, very few of the guys that I coach will reach an elite level. Yeah. And that's totally fine. But all of them can use baseball as the vehicle for these unbelievably valuable skills that they yeah. can learn. Unbelievably valuable. The most important thing I want to teach the kids that I play is that 
no matter what you do. You can come to practice every day, you could show up all the time, you can have the best attitude, the best effort, which you should have, because those things are in your control. Right. Things will not still go your way. Yeah. You will lose the game. Um, you'll feel bad. You will feel bad. You, you won't have a good day. You'll feel like you're shit. Yeah. You'll, you'll beat yourself up a little yeah. bit. But how do you, if you show up the next day, you put on the uniform, you put on the cleats, yeah. and you show up to the game, you've won. Yeah. Because that's it. Most people will not. Yeah. Like I read a stat about podcasts, like everyone has a fucking podcast, but everyone stops after episode 10. If you get past 100, you then become some of the top, some of the top podcasts in the world. Just, yeah. by virtue, just by virtue of showing up. Yeah, it makes sense. Like um, this podcast is now a top five shared podcast globally. That's just awesome. because I decided to show up every week. Have you gone back and listened to your first like 10 podcasts? Yes. What's your assessment of how they went compared to now? Well, interesting because it's fine. I started this podcast as a parody of my wrestling character. Oh, okay. So the, the initial idea of this podcast was for me to have a guest on because I was like Lights, Camera, Jackson yeah. at this time pretending to be a movie star. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I would have friends on who are also wrestlers. Yeah. And I would only ask them questions about me and they would answer the question. Like, hey, Damon, what do you think Jackson Stone's greatest moment is? And they would answer. <laughs> it was actually a pretty hilarious idea. Yeah. And it was a genius idea. Yeah. Because I just wanted to create more content. Right, Because right. it was hard for me to... Because at the time I was doing this character, I was broke. Yeah. I was barely making it. I used, like, my mom's Audi and my sister's boyfriend's house to, like, film some of these yeah. things. Yeah. And I was, like, barely had my own car. There was, like, a dent in the front. Because I, I can't use yeah. this. Nobody I'm wants... trying to be a damn movie yeah. star. Jackson Stone. <laughs> Come on, baby. Um, and so that's why I was like, all right, I can create more content because it's just a couch. I just need a microphone. Yeah. Whatever. And I didn't even have a stand. I didn't have microphones when I started the pod. I was just like, I'll just have my buddy sit down. I'll ask him questions about me. I'll tell him how to answer them. Yeah. And it'll be like three minutes. And then that one, that happened for a little bit. And I just kind of got bored with that. Yeah. Literally asking questions. So the podcast just turned to me just having a conversation with other wrestlers. Yeah. And then, um, and then a bunch of stuff happened. I wanted to like change basically the trajectory of my whole life. Right. So then... And then I had a thing with my roommate and he was on the podcast a lot. And so basically I had to restart the whole podcast, except like three episodes. Yeah. So I don't have a ton of, from when I started, Yeah. but the first couple are like with my best friends. We're on trips. I have like my parents on there. Yeah. Uh, and so they're like, they're not good. Right. Right. They're not good, but I love that they're on there. Yes. Because I think that's the beauty of doing things without a public facing. Yeah. Cause now I can, sh I can actually show you that the best way to do anything is to start. It's just, yeah. Just to do it. Like I didn't have a camera, I didn't have a microphone, I didn't have anything. Yeah. And people started to like my podcast and then people were like, oh, like we can't really hear you so we're gonna send you some microphones. Like, oh. We enjoy your content, but, but we want to hear you production better. is shit. It's shit, <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. Here's an Amazon gift card. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh my God, thank you. And so then you just start to put out more content and then you learn from other podcasters like Tim Ferriss and Ritual, like how do they, uh, have like an organic conversation yeah. and still get to the points with that some, they can need with to some get some structure. Right, because they usually have guests on who like want to get somewhere, right? right? They're trying to promote a book, yeah. all these things, but they does want to be like, all right, tell me about your book. Yeah. No one's going to listen to that. They got to get in an organic way. They have to read the book. They have to understand it, the guest, all these things. They have to know when to cut someone off because I think knowing when to cut someone off is just as important as not cutting them off. Right. Because you want to ask a follow-up. You want them to stretch that out a little bit. You respect want... the viewer's time. So, you, I mean, you're really the, uh, you're the, the broker, the, the conduit between right. the guest and the, and the viewers. And so all of that is, is amazing. And so, yeah, 132 episodes in. That's awesome. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I learned all of that 
from sports. Yeah. Just to be patient and consistent. Because I started baseball at four. I feel like I was pretty good at yeah. like 20. Like when I was my junior year of college, I was like, oh, I actually feel like I'm pretty good at baseball. Yeah. Like I feel like I might be able to play professionally. Right. Wow. That took me a long time. 16 years. Yeah. To feel sort of confident in my ability. Even yeah. if I had a bad day, I'm like, oh, I can overcome this. This is no problem. And that's the same thing with anything. Same thing I had in wrestling or podcasting. Yeah. You know? And then now I think it's the same thing you've had over over the long haul. Yeah. It was uh, – and that's funny because when you're growing up and especially – maybe you got it with baseball too. But with swimming, everybody – you're like, oh, I'm a swimmer. Like, oh, man, that's a tough sport. Mm. That's a really tough sport. You're learning so many great life lessons. I was like, buddy, I jump in a pool. I jump in a cold pool. I swim up and down a black line as hard as I can and do whatever the coach tells me. And then I get out like that's That's how you thought about it. Yeah. That's what Mm -hmm. I do. And and I swim for, um, so many months and in the end of the fall, I'm sorry, end of the spring season, I get a week off. And at the end of summer season, I get two weeks off and I live for those vacations. (laughs) And so somebody would be like, well, what do you, uh, you know, what are you good at? I was like, I'm really good at working for a short amount of vacation. Like that's, that's I want time off. I want to work really, really hard and sacrifice for a short amount of time. And even when, uh, when I got into sales, that's, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I'm really good at swimming up and down a black line. Like I can't do sales. Like I could, if, if phone calls, my first sales job, I'd make like 300 phone calls a day, like something crazy. We're at our, de- our desk at 7.30 a.m. and you don't leave until the job's done. And it was like, that was literally what we would say, which is so corny and cheesy now because I think the, uh, the first job was like, we're making 28K a year. And 1% commission. So it'd come out to like 29K a year. 1%? Commission, yeah. It was recruiting. It, it was, it was oh. set up this way. Um, and we, we would be in the middle of making phone calls. We'd be like, how many hours did you put in this week? And like, we'd go through the hours. We'd be like, we're making $7.25 an hour. Like, I made 25 bucks an hour as a bartender in college. This is not the same. And, right. like, and I probably met more influ- influential people bartending than definitely than trying to recruit better relationships you're creating as a bartender for sure (laughs) for sure for sure and so i look at that and i I bounce around from sales job to sales job and it really wasn't until well my wife and uh her dad launched our company now neora and it's direct sales network marketing like a mary Kay, Mm -hmm. right it's 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 friends selling friends to to each other right um i was like well and then i read the slide edge and when they launched the company were you and your wife together yeah yeah so my wife and i went to high school together okay uh, I moved back. We both moved back in 2007, 2008 to Dallas area or to Flower Mount, where we're from. Yeah. Um, and then there was a there was a kickball team. I saw she had moved back on Facebook. We needed a girl, another girl for a kickball team. Uh-huh. And she lived in Dallas, and she had a nice car. And my car was not great. Um, <laughs> and so I invited her to be on the kickball team. Dude, kickball is really fun. Kickball is really fun. Anyways. It was it was good. It was it was a really, it, I mean, it was uh, we had we had a really really good time. You guys were friends in high school. We yeah. just knew each other. Yeah, no, no, we uh, we were friends. We we would hang out. Mm, yeah, okay. we were friends in high school. So you asked her to be on the kickball team. Yeah, and then uh, and we we carpool back and forth mm-hmm. from Flower Mountain Dallas, like a thirty minute drive usually, um, and then hang out and maybe have a beer or two after you know Tuesday night kickball game, mm-hmm. uh, which now just sounds exhausting to me. But um, then we drive home and then um, yeah, we started dating and I was still in my making horrible decision phase. Were you? Oh yeah, yeah. Like what, what sort of decisions now that you're outside of college? Um, Just too much drinking? Yeah, too much drinking. Priorities. Like it really, honestly, it comes down to not knowing where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, that's it. Not knowing where I wanted to go. Because we sat down. So here I am like, and I, 
I've always enjoyed spending time with my wife. Like she makes me laugh. She's hilarious. She's loving. She's caring. But I, but she gets sarcasm, and I am fluent in sarcasm. And I've done like I've um, I've read books and like we use sarc like people use sarcasm as a uh, as a as a defense mechanism. defense mechanism. Yeah, I'm like it might have developed that way, but I really enjoy it. Like I really do enjoy sarcastic jokes, not you know, at the at appropriate times. Right. Like I. I I enjoy the ribbing. Like when I'm sure we'll talk about jujitsu, but like I enjoy going to jujitsu mm-hmm. because there's very sarcastic and sometimes not sarcastic jokes made to each other. Right. And it's almost some of the guys on the line, like you say something and you're like, is that too far? And then they'll make a joke back. You're like, perfect. We're good. Right. Right. We're good. It's like being back in the locker room. It's yeah. It's also interesting at jujitsu because you can sort of tell who played team sports growing up and who was in the military and who was in the military <laughs> and and who just decided to do jujitsu like later in life yeah. because they like it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Because really there's a ton of military guys. It's a melting jiu-jitsu. pot. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a melting pot. <clears throat> um, all right. Go back to where you're but at. So, so um, yeah, me and my wife would, uh, we drive back and forth, but I always enjoyed spending time with her. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is somebody I acknowledge that I enjoy spending time with. She's hot. Like she's gorgeous. Love spending time with her. And we were dating and we went on a date and I sat down with her. And we were talking about the future. I was like, I never thought about the future before. <laughs> like, I never really even thought about it. And she was like, well, when do you see yourself getting married? I was like, Mar- married? I was like, um, yeah, like, I'm going to be 40. And I'm going to find a 20-year-old, to somebody in their 20s, not a 20-year-old, somebody in their 20s yeah. to procreate with, like, to have kids with. That's your, that was your thought then? That was my answer to her question. That was your answer? Yeah. That's not even a, that's not even a, this is what's going through my head. This is how I said it. This is what's going through my head. This is how I said it. And she goes, I feel bad for the person that marries you. And then we went to a haunted house and then we didn't go on another date for two years. Two years? Yeah. Wow. It was a long, I mean, but right. You're almost at 40 now. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. Well, good. Well, one good on her for not hanging out with you. For sure. (laughs) For sure. So obviously very smart woman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then two years went by. What did you do? Um, See, I, I, I mean, start, you don't have to give any details. No, but no, yeah. a, Did you no, find no. any direction? Did yeah, you, yeah, I started going to church. Um, was that like a? I stopped drinking. Was that a uh, a point of reflection for you? Like, yeah, that was like a sort of like I need to do something different at this uh, point. Her leaving was. I wish. I wish I could look back and be like, oh, I missed her so much. I, everything changed after after we broke up, um, or stopped talking. We were just dating. Um, but yeah, I uh, I started going to church. I started going to church. I stopped drinking. I started sleeping. Um, by stop drinking, I mean. Like I'd go out on the weekends, right? right? Like I wasn't drinking during the week anymore. Sure. Um, and just kind of calmed down. I switched jobs, which was, uh, which was a good point and started working with people that were a little bit older. You mm-hmm. know, that my first job out of college, my first two jobs out of college, it was like working with a bunch of other 22 year olds and it's just, it's like, let the party go on. Yeah. Right? It's like sixth, seventh year of college. Um, and then I, uh, I actually enlisted in the air force. I got a contract for, um, a pararescue jumper. It's like a, it's like a combat medic through the air force and I was all set to go and I was going to church. I wasn't drinking at all at this point. I was working out all the time. I had some, uh, contract sales job, which was, it was, it paid really well, but it also wasn't that many hours. So I was working out two, three times a day. Um, and then, uh, and then I ran into my wife. I went on my first time to go out in like six months. I ran into my wife at a birthday party. She was randomly there. She wasn't a part of the birthday party. We were just at this bar in Dallas. Yeah. 
And I was like, hey, how's it going? Like, Amber, I haven't seen you so long. Like, what's going on? How you doing? She was like, oh, it's my birthday next week. I was like, really? I was like, hey, let me take you out. I'm going to call you. I'm going to take you out. And she was like, she was like, okay, you'll call. Like, <laughs> the same guy that said, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm not getting married until I'm 40. She's clued in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I called her the next day. And You actually called? Oh, yeah, I actually called, asked her on a date. Planned out the whole date. Wow. Um, made a playlist for the date. Like, like really uh, went all the way. On Apple uh, Music? Uh, I don't even think that was around, man. I think I burned a uh, CD. Burned, uh, nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. I was probably on Napster. <laughs> I was going to say, I, was, I wasn't going to say Spotify because I knew that wasn't around. No. I don't know if Apple Music was around at that point either. It was like 2009. Oh. Maybe. I was a junior in high school. 2008, 2009. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, we went out and then um, we got... We got engaged a year later, and we got married a year after that. And then her and her dad launched a company that we're with now, or we own now, um, in 2011. So we, we got engaged six months before we launched the company, mm-hmm. and then we got married six months after we launched the company. Were you always going to be part of it? No. No. Mm. I was with this startup out of New York called ZocDoc. So... I hurt my, the, I was supposed to go to the Air Force. I hurt my knee a week before I was supposed to ship out. They said you can still join, but you can't jump out of planes or do anything cool. I was like, look, I already met this girl. Um, my knees hurt. The doctor said I can't go in and, and do this cool stuff. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm not going to do it. You know, I was 26, I think, at the time. Um, wow. But I had gotten this job. Can't think about if what your life would be if that, if you went Well, exactly, in. man. Like, and I was, this is, this is a point where it's like the first thing that I wanted to do since swimming at Texas. Wow. It's like, this is... I'm focused, I'm motivated, um, I'm sacrificing for it. Right? I think that's, if you know where you want to go, you sacrifice for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I hadn't had it since. And then, um, and then I had gotten a job with uh, this startup out of New York called ZocDoc. It was like, did you ever use it? It's online booking for doctors. Mm-mm. But anyway, so, so paid great, uh, big, big, it was my first time with like a tech company. It was like a tech medical yeah. sales company. Um, and they just dump money into it and they, they fly <laughs> us back to New York once a quarter oh, really? and once a year. So five times a year, I'm, we're going back to New York, getting put in an awesome hotel. Um, all they want you to do is sell. Like you don't get micromanaged. You don't get hassled. It is, you hit your numbers, go do whatever you want. Uh, and I was, I was all in on that and they were launching this company. I was like, but my follow has been very successful in the past. I don't want to be. Uh, and I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to join my father-in-law, my, my rich father-in-law's company. You know, I'm going to make it my own way. Sure. I, I have a good thing going here, but I was also very aware. I didn't want to be stupid. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want my ego to, um, to keep me from getting involved, to keep me from being open-minded and getting involved with a successful person mm-hmm. just because I was marrying his daughter. Right. Right. Just because that's it. That's it. And so I looked at it and I looked at it honestly and I was like, I was like, man, this looks this looks like a good sales thing. Like, and if it blows up, I want to be a part of it. And so that's where, that's where I that's where you hopped in, uh, hopped in and, and, um, yeah, hopped in and, and, and he was like, look, I, I can help you out. I can, um, I can, I can help you be, I, I could put you in a position where you'd be more successful financially than you'd ever been before. And, but you wouldn't learn anything. He was like, so you're just going to have to get started and, and build your own thing. I was like that. And looking back, it's the greatest gift of Mm. um because he could have put me in a position that had a sales team underneath it already right and was already getting commission and but i just i wouldn't have learned anything at all and so now so what position did you get put in nothing just yeah you just sign up like everybody else and 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 work from there yeah 
and start sharing the product with your friends and, and them saying no and that's it. And that helped you? Oh, tremendously. Yeah, tremendously. And, and now with my, uh, my wife's taken, uh, I mean, naturally over the last 11 years, um, she started out as a, like, like VP of marketing and now she's a CMO mm-hmm. um, and chief sales officer and all around, like, like runs everything. Right? right. But for her to get the perspective from me of building the business from, from the ground up, and then for me to have the perspective to to talk to her about it, it's just it's it's priceless. It, that that experience, I, I can I can say with no hyperbole, is truly priceless. To be in a position where you understand what the brand new person is going through for, from an intimate level, mm-hmm. not from I have enough empathy to where I can understand what they're going through. It's from real life personal experience. We know what the brand new person is going through. Right, and that has to help you as a, as a leader. Oh yeah, yeah. And being able to relate to someone. Exactly. Like I know exactly what you're struggling with. Yeah. And I can say with 100% honesty that if you attempt to do these things, yeah. it'll potentially turn out great. Yeah. Because right? you can't say with 100%. You'll well, get better and better. Yeah. Just like with podcasting, man. If you were going to coach somebody on podcasting, you'd say go back and, and like listen to this very first podcast. This, was where, this is where I was. Right. And this is where I am now. But the hard part with success, I, I, I feel like, um, because you're more successful, right? It, like you look at a, a big podcaster, like you look at like Rich Roll mm-hmm. and you're not Rich Roll, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not getting the downloads that Rich Roll is. And so you might say, I'm not a successful podcaster, but the right. brand new person starting out is like, Aaron, please, like you're the only one that'll actually talk to me. Like right. you're a successful podcaster. What do I do? Like you're in the top five, per, 5%. Yeah. You're the top 5%. Like, please, like you are, you're successful. Help me. Right. And the hard part is sometimes, most of the time. They only see, well, if Aaron can do it, I can do it. They don't think about episode one to 131, right? They don't, they don't think about that, that process and that journey because they can't see it. Mm. I think that's a hard part with um, when you look at mentoring somebody or when, when somebody gets started out. It's because when they get to 10, like they quit because they can't see steps 10 to, through 135. Right. Yeah. They can't see those steps. They, they don't understand what it takes. Yeah. Um, but now I, mean, I think as a podcaster, like you know that if you can get somebody to do 12 podcasts, like if you're coaching podcasters, yeah. if you can get somebody to 12 podcasts, you know they have a great chance to make it to 50. Right. But it's breaking through that barrier. And then I think making them aware of it too, like we were talking about with choices. If, if they're aware that they're, if, if they're aware and they accept that they're absolutely going to suck for the first bad, bad, right? For the first 20 episodes, mm-hmm. but it might completely change. Like if you were to write down everything and, and like this is – like if you look where I came from and where I am, episode two, you're like, hey, man, someday you're going to do <laughs> – someday you're going to be doing jujitsu and there's going to be a guy there that you want to interview and you're going to go over his house. You're going to do your 135th podcast. is going to be on his couch and it's just going to be completely random. And you're like, Jackson, <laughs> Jackson Stone doesn't do that, right? You might be talking in third person. <laughs> yeah, I would. Right? Episode two. For sure. But – that's, I mean, it's just, I think it's the cool thing, but it's, it's one of the hard things of, um, it's one of the hard things of success is people don't see where it starts. They might understand where it starts, but they don't see, they don't see the time in between. Yeah. Right. Cause that's not cool. That's not, that's not cool. The yeah. romantic story is, is I started with nothing and I ended with everything. The, the romantic story, that, that middle part. The overnight, you know, 10 year success. Yeah. 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 Whatever yeah. that is. Well, it's interesting. I'm sure you find this too with the people that you're you're leading to to get to the position they want to be in is why you're doing it, right? If I'm yeah. starting at, if I'm doing anything because yes. I just want to be successful, yeah. 
well, okay. Yeah, I just want a lot of people to listen to me talk. That's your goal as a podcaster? Well, when you do your first 50 episodes and only your mom, your brother, and your best friend listen for yeah. all 50 episodes, you're like, well, what's... Did you ever have people tell you they listened and then you look at the download numbers and you're like, I'm still at four. Yeah. I'm like, where did you listen? <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me exactly when <laughs> and what time and what device? And it's like, but it's cool, right? So if, you, if you're doing it for... Ob this is obviously true for everything, like yeah. a real intrinsic value. You have, yeah. You've become extremely concrete as to why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yes, you're still going to have those moments where it's like, oh, this is really hard. Yeah. And I'm getting really annoyed with being up until 3 a.m., editing this podcast, making sure it's good, trying to find sponsors, getting the right thumbnail, yeah. editing it, finding guests, emailing them, them saying no till 3 a.m. because the episode wasn't right and something came wrong and I have to get it out on Tuesday because that's what I said and I'm going to be consistent with that. And, but still no one listened, mm -hmm. you're only gonna get through that sort of trenches if you're like, but I have to share these stories. Mm -hmm. And I have to because it resonated with me and hopefully people find it worthwhile to listen to and then they go and change their life because they listen to Damon's story and they're like, oh, I felt exactly like that in rugby. Yeah. And now I'm gonna do this and okay, I need to rekindle my relationship with that girl that I, that made me had butterflies when I was in high school, but yeah. I fucked it up because all I wanted to do was smoke weed. Like all of these things, right? And those are the stories because we think we can't do anything unless we hear someone else was able to do it. Yeah. And then we get the like this sort of motivation, which is not the best word, but whatever, to go and then do that thing. I think it's a perfect motivation. It's, it's I'm thinking the perfect word is motivation. You, you get, yeah, you get motivated to at least take that first step. Like that's, and you know that there's a, I don't know what it is. It's, you're getting motivated to take the first step with the faith that there's a final step that you're eventually going to get to. Like, I think that's where stories actually make that middle part human mm -hmm. um, and doable is because when somebody's up, like, I never want things to change. And then they go a little bit down and you're like, fuck, what's going on? I, I, gotta, I gotta change something to get back to where I was. When it's just the, it's the natural ebb and flow of, of being successful at anything is you're gonna be you're going to have shitty times. You're going to have good times. The main point is just to keep going. Mm -hmm. I had a great, when I was in, um, I, I, I didn't grow up with, we didn't grow up with money, right? Like it was, uh, we were, I, I, we always had food on the table. Um, my mom would work two jobs. She was a teacher and she would work another job sometimes like delivering newspapers or cleaning a, um, she used to clean the pool and the tennis courts at a, uh, a little club or she would work nights at Target sometimes. But so, um, it, it wasn't like we didn't have food on the table, right? We always did, but we didn't have money for extra stuff. It was just, we, we just never did. And so when I got into a job, the professional force, I thought a job was something you hated to make money. Hmm. And if I'm going to hate something, I might as well make a lot of money at it. Cause I'd rather, if I'm going to hate it either way, making a little bit of money or a lot of money doesn't matter. You might as well make a lot of money. I was so money focused until I got into uh, what I'm doing now, right. when I realized other people have other motivations. Like everybody has their own motivation for their own reason, right? And the thing is to tap into those motivations um, or drivers or, you know, whatever it is. Because <clears throat> when I got started, it was literally for money. And it was, uh, and thankfully with swimming, I was like, what am I really good at? I was in my late 20s. I was like, what am I really good at? You take away from swimming. Like swimming was the only thing I'd been really good at at that point. Mm -hmm. you, you can jump into a cold pool. Right, you can you can make yourself do something that you don't want to do, and then you can do something over and 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 over again. 
Like that's where I was like, I can, I can, I can thrive at that. Mm -hmm. And that's thankfully with the company I'm with that we had a system. And that's where I think the, the system helped me so much was I would just do it over and over and over again with, with regardless of the outcome, I would just do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it wasn't until like three or four years in, or maybe two or three years in, I had a, I had a friend, um, Craig, who's, who's a lot older than me, really, really wise. And he said, Damon, do you know why people work this business? I said, Craig, they're here to make money. <laughs> like I could give a shit what their reason is. They're here to make money. So let's, let's show them how to make money. Right. He's like, man, he's like, can you tell me everybody's reason for working the business? It's like, Craig, money. Like they're here to make money. Right. But he's like, yeah, but how much money? I was like, as much money as they can make. He was like, you're missing it, man. Like you're just, you're missing the point. We had a long conversation around it, but, uh, and of course I'm paraphrasing, but he, um, his point was everybody's working this business for a different thing. Some people work this business for money. They work to make $200 a month to pay for gas and groceries or make things a little bit easier. Some people don't even work it for money. They like the people they hang out with. Mm -hmm. They like the people they're associating with. Some people work it to replace a, a job or to save for retirement that's coming in 20 years. That's a much different approach than if you want to quit your job in a year, right? Different people want to make different amounts of money. And then we have to adapt the system. Or we don't adapt the system. We apply the system differently mm. for their motivations. That was my first venture into like, like, you don't just want to make as much money as possible. Do I even want to make as much money as possible? And, and I don't. I, I, wanted, I, I really value freedom more than I do actual money. Like I, I, freedom of schedule, um, freedom of choice better than I, I value that more than just collecting money. Like, yes. I, you know, I, I don't care about the money. I, I care about the freedom that the money will provide. Right. Yeah. That's the most important thing for yeah. me. Like I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do yeah. it. And sometimes that's working 80 hours a week. Yep. Cause that's what I want to do. Yep. I want to get it done. Yeah. You know, and some days I'm like, oh, I'm working this and that. And I don't really feel like recording today. And yeah, you know, but if I don't, you know, so then you think about all these other things, you but put it, you, you get to priority, you get to, you get to honestly look at your priorities. Cause I, yeah. Cause you can't just say that, right? You're like, I want to do what I want to do. Cause everybody's going to sit around and, and watch movies and play video games right. or something. But you, you have your priorities. And once you have your, I think once you have your priorities in order of where you actually want to go, that's when applying freedom to that is is freeing because then you take control over your choices mm -hmm. and that's true freedom like that's when you get to decide what you want to do when you want to do it that's free like to me that's freedom that's freedom like that's you have control over your life you're not doing what you want to do all the time like every moment right but you know it's probably serving that purpose somehow mm -hmm. as our friend Jocko would say discipline equals freedom yeah, <laughs> yeah discipline equals freedom. which is which is right yeah right if you get the things done that you know you need to get done yeah and you get them done early yeah. and often then do what you want to do then do what you want to do which yep. could be this more of those things yeah which could be something different which could be starting a business having a conversation with a friend having a nice meal going on a trip mm -hmm. continuing to work right and and those there's different constraints for different people yeah. right obviously we work for ourselves so it's a bit different and we have a bit more freedom to go to jujitsu at 11 o'clock in right. the middle of the day right um but some people have a nine to five Right. And where their constraints are a little bit different, but the discipline equals freedom still applies. But if they wanted to change their situation, they, could. they can take that discipline and it might take a long time. Yes. Right. But they can come. I think they, it just gives them freedom once mm -hmm. they realize. And I think especially with the nine to five, I read this book, um, my, my, the first Christmas I ever spent with my wife and her family, my father-in-law gave me several books. One book was, um, how to manage your boss. The whole premise of it is that your job is there to serve you. 
right? Your, your job, it's still your time that you're putting into your job. So you decide how that job's going to serve you. If you're just showing up from a nine to five with no purpose and no long-term goal, it's not going to serve you. But if you show up and, and you, want to, you want a promotion, you want a better job, you want to save enough money so you can work for yourself or start your own business, mm -hmm. it's, there, it's there to serve you, not the other way around. Your, your boss is there to help you get what you want to get. No matter how you can manage that situation or, or um, use that situation, your boss is there to help you get promoted. Your boss is there to help you get a better paying job someplace else. But your boss is there to serve you. That, that If they're not a servant leader, then 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 you can still use that situation to, uh, you can use the situation to make them a servant leader by serving you. Mm. Now that you've been doing what you're doing for about 10 years and you come to a point where you, you have a team underneath you, mm -hmm. um, what sort of tips, advice do you have for people who are trying to lead people? Um, <clears throat> lead yourself first. That's um, my wife and I always come up with a motto for the next year. We, we just did a planning session in Austin and it gets us on, we, we take a vacation away from the kids, away from the house, away from jobs, work, everything. We just, we spend good quality time together. Mm -hmm. And um, that's our, our motto for 2023 is lead the way. It's, I, I think right now, I think right now in probably, I think it's in the world, uh, but I think especially in the United States, we are severely lacking uh, two things. One is leadership and the other one is community, is relationships yep. uh, based off the pandemic. And, and um, I think oftentimes I say that, I've said that to some different people and they immediately go political. Um, sure, politics is always going to be a big issue. I think in every aspect of society, we're lacking leadership. We are lacking leadership within the home. We're uh -huh. lacking leadership uh, in the business world, in the um, in the spiritual world. I, right. I, just, I think there's a... a a void of leadership. I agree. Um, and I think that, but I think that starts with people leading themselves. Well, political, just claiming it to be political is a cop out. Yeah. Because if you're not leading yourself or the people in your community, which could be one person, three yeah, people, five point. people, if you're not then doing it, then, um, you know, like Dr. Basically Jordan Peterson says this. I don't know if you follow him, but he's like, if, if you can't put your house in perfect order, yeah. like your house, whether that's you living in your apartment, then you have absolutely no reason to then throw stones or claim that things aren't going well yeah. outside of your home. Yeah. Right? Because you have to make steps, right? Okay, my home is in perfect order. Yeah. Okay, now I have this larger community around me. Okay, how can I do that? Or should I join a church? Should I join a group? Whatever. Okay, now I got my community in order. Yeah. Okay, now how can I make a state better? You know, and you build from there. It's not just, all right, my house is a mess. Everything's shit. So I'm, I'm going to go blame, run for office. I'm going to go run for office and blame it on that. Yeah. So all my problems are, are based on the person who doesn't even really know that you exist, yeah. you know, he knows yeah. that you exist cause you're American and all that stuff. Right. But whatever, but you, you get my point. Yeah. 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 Lead yourself first before you, before you start pointing fingers, it, it's get your house in perfect order. Yeah. What is it? Uh, is it Gandhi that be the change you want to see in the world? Uh -huh. Is that Gandhi? Um, yeah. Be the change you want to see in the world. So I like that. Yeah. So you learn you learn that that's, that's, a, that's good. Yeah. Lead, lead the way, lead yourself first. Um, and, and then communication. I, I really would, I, I would direct people back to your podcast with, Coach Steve Bacon, mm -hmm. um, that learn how to listen. Communication is more about listening than, than thinking about what you're going to say next or think or winning the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's so much about listening. People will tell you what they're, where you can help them. If you're looking to lead people, you're looking to serve people, people will tell you where you can serve them, where you can help them. And if you can help them, and that's probably the next step is, is focus on the people you can actually help. Don't try and 
Don't try and bang your head against the wall trying to help somebody that doesn't want to be helped or isn't in a place where they're ready to be helped. Love them where they're at, right? Don't, it's not, you, you don't call them and be like, hey, I can't lead you anymore. I can't, so like, I'm cutting you out of my life. <laughs> Love them where they're at, mm-hmm. right? If, if somebody's not calling you back and you're consistently pursuing them, trying to develop a relationship, well, they either don't want a relationship with you, which is fine, right? You've got to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're so busy or they're in a place right now where they can't have a relationship with you. They don't have time to call you back. And that's fine. Love them where they're at. But don't beat yourself up or bang your head against the wall um, trying to trying to pursue that person and, and serve that person. Look for somebody else, right? Look for the people that you can actually help and help the people that you can help, which are the ones that are willing to be helped. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would say those are tips. Yeah. Lead the way, communicate, and, and help the people that want to be helped. Yeah, that's what I always my my one of my um, affirmations that I would say for years, and I didn't do it this year, but one of the affirmations I would say for years is I'm here to work. Uh, I'm here to work with people who want to be helped. Or I'm here to people to work with people who want to work. Right. But it's because if I'm like in, in my business, it, it's I have a lot of different people that I can call and try to help. But if they're not calling me back, they don't want to work with me, and so I can either quit, right? I, I can take that personally say, well, I'm not a good coach. I can't help this person. I, I can't help this person do this. Um, I can't help anybody. Or, you know, it's usually on them. It's mm-hmm. like dealing with a bully, right? I mean, right. probably a horrible example for what we're talking about right now, but <laughs> usually when somebody's mean to you, right? Yeah. It's because they have something going on. It's not because you actually did anything. Like, you know if you were a jerk or not, but if you can't figure out what you did wrong, more than likely it's something going on with that person. Love them where they're at. See if you can help them. See if you can serve them. But, you know, don't, um, what's, um, I forget the podcaster's name, but it's don't light yourself on fire to keep somebody else warm. Right. You're basically letting them know that you're here. Yeah. And when you're ready, yeah. I'm still here. Because when I say that sometimes, I, I find the inclination for some people is, is to make a very dramatic break. And, and, and uh, Basically, it's like, hey, if you like send some passive aggressive text of like, well, if you're not ready to work with me, I'm here when you are. Or um, mm-hmm. if you're not ready for success, then or if you're not ready for the level of success where I'm going, then I'm going to have to not respond to your, te- I don't know, text messages. Anymore. Sure. Something like it's just it doesn't have to be so dramatic because that's just you serving yourself. That's right. you making yourself feel better about them not wanting to talk to you. Yeah. When it can just be. Uh, hey, I'm here for you if you ever need to talk. Right. Like you don't have to be. And, and if you've been honest and forthcoming and reliable mm-hmm. to then, then that message comes off just that way. Yeah. If you've come off any other way, yeah. then it's going to sound a little bit different. And then don't read too much into how people respond if they do respond in a negative way. Or if they respond at all. Right. Right. If they say they don't have time, it's not, it's probably like just take it at face value. Mm-hmm. Like they say they don't have time. Right. Yeah. The communication piece is. I mean, it's it's everything. It is. It's it's literally everything. Yeah. Like we're if you if we could just try to be a little bit more curious about yeah. people. Yeah. You know, listen to them. Yeah. They're gonna tell you everything you want to know about them. Mm-hmm. Everything. If you just be quiet. Give them the space. Yeah. Right. And and understand that there's gonna be these these very weird quiet moments. Right. Where people are just like thinking about things. Yeah. Feeling, thinking. Thinking about the next question. Right. That's one thing I think with, uh, I've noticed it myself. I used to travel around a ton. I would do a ton of events, be with uh, a lot of people throughout the, throughout the year. Right. I'd be around a lot of people, have a lot of different conversations. One thing that I noticed, um, even before COVID, is I started doing bigger events. And so 
you know, doing an event with 15 people is different than doing an event with 200 people. Right. When I do an event with 200 people, people would be coming up to me to ask questions. People come up to me to see what I think about this. People come up to me for my opinion. People come up to me to take a picture. It's, and I realized through that process, and this is before COVID, it completely changed my engagement with people because I wasn't pursuing anybody else. And it doesn't feed my soul um, to not, like to be up on stage doesn't feed my soul. To sit down and have an honest conversation feeds my soul. Like it really does. When I'm interested in somebody else, when I'm having a, a authentic conversation, that feeds my actual soul. Mm. And so uh, I realized through that process that I had, to get, I had to get back to being interested in people because it's easy just to receive praise. But if you're not interested in people, you're not going to connect with people. You can't really help anybody if you're just talking at them all the time. Right. Right. It's listening and, and um, a- asking questions, answering questions, ha- having that authentic communication wherever the conversation goes. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a skill. Yes. It's a skill. Yeah. Um, I give this advice to people all of the time, but if you want to become a better communicator, listener, and basically be more sophisticated with your language, have a friend over. I'm sure you've heard this. Maybe I've maybe heard it on one of the Put pods. Put it on record. Put the phone down. Yeah. The other person's phone is away. That's the only phone in the room. Yeah. You can't touch it. You press record and you guys just speak. Yeah. Speak about literally anything. Mm-hmm. There hasn't had to be a topic. You can say a topic like we're going to talk about this. And you just speak for 30 minutes yeah. and see where it goes. If you start speaking for more than 30 minutes, great. But there's nothing else that you have to do except speak. Yeah. Then you both can listen to it back and see where you may have cut someone off. Like I know this is very deliberate about your speaking, but this is how we have to be because we're communicating right. with people every day. Yeah. If we can't get across what we need and we want, no one's going to know that I can't read your mind. Yeah. And if I can't be sophisticated with my language, then what's the point? Right. I'm never going to build any sort of substantial long-term relationship if I can't express anything. Right. And so this is, this is the easiest way you can do it. Yep. And then, because then you don't have to put it in front of a public. No one's going to give you scrutiny. Yep. Like you don't have to get, do a public speak. You don't have to go to improv class. You don't have to do any of that. You just literally put your phone down and you talk to your buddy. And some people have come back with me, well, I don't have friends that I could do that with. Okay, well, this is the first step in building friendships then, <laughs> right? Put the phone down and do it yourself. Yeah. Speak on a topic that you care about. There's a lot going on in your brain. Get it out. Yeah. Okay, how are you concise? Okay, then how can I do that if I go to a social event? If I go to a bar? Okay, how can I then introduce myself in a way where I know I can talk? I can look someone in the eye because I've practiced speaking on my own. Yeah. It's not just a thing that just happens. Yeah. You don't get good at this. No. Like you may know how to read and write, but you don't get good at just like talking and verbalizing and expressing and feeling and listening and being curious and taking a step back and having quiet moments. Yeah. Like all of that stuff has to be learned and practiced over and over and over again. I was listening to Tim Ferriss. He's one of the best podcasts in the world. Yeah. He's at episode like 700 or something and he stumbled over his words and he said like like three times and he goes, there you go, people. Still fuck up. Even 700 episodes in. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to have my editing team take that out because this is how it is. Yeah. I'm like, there you go. He's the, like, has like 12 books. He's like right. 20 million downloads on his podcast, right? He had to turn down, he had to stop doing speaking engagements because people were asking him to do them too much. Yeah. And he still does that. Yeah. And so you thinking like yourself, well, how do I get good at, you're the practice. Yeah. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah, have to do well, it. And I think some people will, are, granted, there are people that are naturally better at communicating. Mm-hmm. There's people that are naturally more empathetic. There's people that are naturally more curious. Right. But you can't hide behind that because it is a skill. Mm-hmm. It's not a, uh, it's not, you're either 6'8 or you're not 6'8. Right. right. Like it's, it's not a, um, it's not, a, I don't know what that would be, a trait. 
It's, it's not, yeah, it's not innate, yeah, right? It's not yeah. God-given. Like it, It's something you can absolutely get better and better and better at if you want to. If you want to. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same person that probably gets asked that, that they're, the guy who's 6'8 gets asked all the time, hey, do you play basketball? Right? He has an innate gift of right. being 6'8, but maybe he didn't want to. Right. Maybe he didn't put in the work. Yeah. And maybe that's a really tough question for him because he knows that he regrets not putting in the work. Mm-hmm. But we all have the innate ability to speak. Yes. Well, some of us... Communicate. Some of us do not. Some of us have some handicaps but generally speaking right everyone has that ability yeah and so we can all get better at it right over and then how much better would the world be if everyone knew how to communicate at like an extremely high level yeah or attempted to get better at it or just yes exactly like unbelievable attempt because i think what what i understand after learning how to communicate and, and a lot of this goes to um again getting married i did not understand empathy um, it took somebody very smart and very patient to, um, to, to, she, my, my wife helped me a lot along the way, mm-hmm. uh, for communication, but, um, that's what I learned it, It's most of it is about listening. Mm-hmm. It, it's mostly about listening and not waiting for your turn to talk. Yeah. Committing to a long-term partner will, um, make you mature very fast. Expose your growth opportunities. Yes. Very quickly. <laughs> yep. And that's awesome. Cause yeah. you need that. It is. Right, you need someone to tell you, "Hey, this is where you're not good at." Yeah, but I love you. Yeah, and I want to help you through it. And so then you get better, and then yeah. you have a beautiful, long-lasting relationship that's the most fruitful yeah. thing that's ever existed on planet Earth. Absolutely. And then you bring kids into your life, and you're like, "Holy shit, I didn't know I could love something anymore." Yeah, this is just what people tell me. Right, right. Don't have kids yet, um, but I do have a long a person that I'll be with for the rest of my life. Yeah, and it's like, fucking, hey, man, this is awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> You know, of course it's hard, right? It's never not going to be hard. No, that's the, the grind really But I makes love the it, hard. Yeah, it, me too. The, the grind's what makes it worth it. I, I think. I, I like the sacrifice. Um, if you have something worth sacrificing, yeah. If you have something worth sacrificing for, yeah. it, it makes it worth it. It makes it worth it to push through. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I don't know if hard is the right word. It's like more of like, like consistent effort. And maybe that's the same thing, that yeah. consistent effort is hard. I think it's hard, man. It's just hard's the easiest word, um, and I I think it's one of those. Th- I I think almost as a society, sometimes we we shy away from hard too much, right? And we try to church it up and be like, well, it's not going to be hard. It, yeah, it's going to be hard, and it's also going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me, it's that uh, the saying, "Choose your hard," right? Not being in a long term relationship or walking away from a a the relationship you could have for the rest of your life because you were afraid of what's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, or going through it because it is hard. Like you choose your hard. Yeah. Right. Um, comfort is hard. Like being uh, apathetic is hard. Hard work is hard. Mm-hmm. Making a choice is hard. Um, sitting down and, and getting to know yourself and knowing where you want to take your life is hard. Like mm-hmm. it's an actual hard thing to do. Right. But you choose what what's going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Voluntarily doing hard things mm-hmm. makes life a little bit easier. Yeah. Speaking of that. Perfect segue. Yeah. See that? So good. It is, at this, I mean, you can relate so to good everything. at this podcast. You can relate it to everything. <laughs> but uh, jujitsu. Yeah. That's where we met. Yeah. At Royal Art, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, for those that are fans of the pod, we had Nancy on. She owns she owns that place. We're gonna have Ricardo on soon. Yeah. And uh, and whoever else wants to be on, really. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's super interesting at that. It place. really is. Yeah. And it's cool. Um, but when did you start jujitsu, and why did you start jujitsu? Um, so I started jujitsu in. Uh, 2000, I'll say 2012. So I started in 2012 and then I really liked the Muay Thai coach. There, there was a, it was a gym that had Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really liked the Muay Thai coach. So I started doing more Muay Thai. Then after like two or three years of that, three years of that, 
uh, I came home. My nose was all bloody. I had to go do a presentation and fly. My wife was like, what are you doing? Like, you, like right at this point, you get paid to talk to people. Right. Right. You get paid from an anti-aging beauty company <laughs> to talk to people. That's funny. She's like, what are you doing? Mm, that makes sense. I was sense. like, that's a really good point. And I don't like getting hit in the face. Like that was, I started it as something challenging that I've never, never done before. Sure. It was in swimming. So it's like, it's not a lot of physical contact. I really enjoyed the confidence that came from it. From mm. the, um, I guess the realization of, of what conflict would actually look like. Like if I was going to get it, the fights that I had been in before, it was like a bar brawl and you throw a wild punch and it might connect with somebody and you just don't know what you're doing. Like right. I had no idea what I was doing. I was better off using talking and, and walking away, mm-hmm. um, which is, I'm still better off doing that. That's always the best solution. Yeah. Um, but th- that's why, that's why I got started. And then, and then we, we started having kids and I took a few years off and then I actually signed up and went to a gym right before COVID. There's a gym right around the corner from here that I started going to only cause it was right around the corner. That gym shut down. The, the owner was going back to, uh, was going back to Brazil for surgery and then moving to another place. It was a jujitsu gym? Yeah. That's yeah. close to here? Yeah, it was uh, it was right behind um, right right behind the Mexican restaurant on Preston. Oh, really? And it was right right there. Huh. But then a bunch of the guys went over from there. They went up to Royal Arts, and so I started seeing on social media they were posting more pictures about it. I was like, hey, how is that gym? Because I missed I, I you know it was only two months with them, but I was like, I had a decent relationship. Like you make a pretty good relationship with people when right. you're trying to break their arms and especially jiu jitsu. Very quickly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're very close to them. And so uh, I started going up there and. and the second time around, it's really uh, – now I have three daughters. So um, I do want to be able to protect my family if anything ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be able to protect myself. I, 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 I noticed a difference. When you're, very, when you're used to being very close to somebody as far as distance, right? If, if you're used to being close to another person, you understand your, your safety zone more. So, mm-hmm. so if anything did ever happen, I think you, I understand that safety zone more and I understand what I'm capable of. Um, and I understand what most people, uh, probably in the world are capable of, which if you're doing jujitsu, you're capable of more, mm-hmm. right? When it comes to violence, it, you're capable of more than they are because you're actually trained for it. It doesn't matter what they did 10, 15 years ago, or if they used to fight when they were in middle school and high school, it is, they're not there anymore. And I'm more comfortable in that situation because I'm trained for it. Um, and that's how it started. And then it's just, it's just such a great, everything we've been talking about, mm-hmm. It's such a great dive into doing something that makes you uncomfortable, um, continuing to show up, having very bad days mm-hmm. and having great days. And then it doesn't matter. Just keep showing up, right? Just, just keep showing up and then adding some intentionality in there. You start to figure out what you're good at, what you're, what you're not good at. Mm-hmm. But um, I think for me, it's just it'll always, at this point, barring a major injury, um, it'll always be a part of my life because I really, really enjoy the growth that comes with it. Yeah. It's incredible. Yes. I think my favorite part about it, I don't know my favorite part. One of the parts that I recognized very early on was that there's just like an immediate respect mm-hmm. for anyone who consistently shows up. Yes. Because everyone in the building, regardless if you're a white belt, purple belt, brown belt, black belt, yeah. it's like, oh, you're showing up a lot. Yeah. Like I respect you because I know how hard this is. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's like, that's incredible. Yeah. You don't have to, there's, doesn't matter where your background is, what you do, what you look like, 
Like it doesn't matter, literally doesn't matter, doesn't matter at all. Yeah. People are like, you are showing up consistently. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm with it. I respect you. Yeah. I respect who you are. I already know your, your true essence because you're showing up to this hard right. thing all the time. Right. So I know your character. That's all I care about. Yep. I'm willing to do whatever. Like yep. you need something from me? Great. Yeah. Because I know you'll do the same. Because I know that, like that's, that you show up for this thing. One of the best things about jujitsu is you do, you're spending time with people that choose to do jujitsu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think that's really one of the best things. Right. I mean, that's why Jocko talks about it all the time. It's yeah. like, what should I do to change my life? Train jujitsu. Yeah. I'm 52 years old. Train jujitsu. Yeah. Start showing up to something consistently. Like, go train jujitsu. Yeah. And you can, you can change jujitsu with literally anything. Yes. Right? But jujitsu is one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. And, you know, we've done hard things. Yeah. Getting Division One scholarships. I was a fucking professional wrestler for six years. Yeah. Paraded in my underwear for a long time. Yeah. Right? Jiu-Jitsu is really hard. Yeah. And it's, it's different than anything. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's also timeless. Like it's, uh, well, I, don't know, I guess baseball, you can play baseball for a long time. Yeah. Like, like you could still go and play baseball if you wanted to. Yeah, I played I, in a men's league. I could soon. still go and swim. Yeah. Um, if you're a football player, you can't go, you can't really yeah. go play football anymore. No. Um, but, you know, I, I do think jiu-jitsu, it is timeless. It's adaptable. If you do come in at 52 years mm-hmm. old um, and you want to just stick with it as long as you can, you're, first of all, the, if you're with the right school, it's going to adapt to you. Right. And, and train you the right way. And then also, you're going to figure out what you're good at. Like, give it two years, you're going to figure out what you're good at, what you're bad at, what you enjoy doing, what you don't enjoy doing, where mm-hmm. you might get hurt, where you might not get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just there's so many different things. And it's something new. This is something I talked about a lot when I first got started in, in what I'm doing now. Um, how many times do you actually try something new after the age of 15? Right? How many new things? Like, if you never did wrestling, well... You're not a great example. Most people, right? <laughs> Most people. Fair enough. How many new things did they actually try? Why right. do people get stuck in the same job for 15 years and hate it? Mm-hmm. And then 15 years in, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're 40, 45 years old and they look around and like, I hate the position that I'm in. Right. But you're so locked in, right? If you have two or three kids and a mortgage and car payments and, and uh, you have this financial plan, it's very hard to say, well, I always wanted to be a chef. Right, or I always wanted to, to work for myself doing something. Mm-hmm. It's I, I understand the you can do it for sure. It takes a plan, it takes commitment, but right. and communication. But you can do it. But how many times do, does somebody actually do something new after the age of fifteen? Very right? rarely. Or twenty-five. Right? Very rarely. It is very rare. Yeah. And in that situation though, right? It's it's you're looking at you're looking at two things. You're looking at the consequences of inaction or action. Mm-hmm. So inaction is that you stay in this job you hate. Yeah. And what does it look like 10 years from now? Yeah. Well, you hate your wife. You resent her because you thought it was her fault that she didn't let you pursue your dream. Yeah. So now you look at her like she's the most evil tyrant ever. And when you, you feel, never even talk to her about when it. When you never talk to her about it. She doesn't know how you feel. You think she's a slave. You feel like you're a slave. You feel yeah. like she's a tyrant. And now you're getting divorced and your kids don't know what you to do because your kids now think you're getting divorced because of them because yeah. you didn't also talk about this thing. So that's inaction 10 years down the line. Yeah. You, you ready for that? Okay. What's What's action? <sighs> Well, you have a bunch of inadequacies and things you need to look at on your resume. Yeah. So you got to fill those voids. That takes a lot of extra work, classes, yeah. books, studying, coaches. Okay, great. You're not really great at speaking. Yeah. So you got to figure that out. Your communication skills suck. Um, you need to get in better shape. Yeah. You need. To, okay, great. So you can do all of all of those things are possible. Which one do you want? You want to have a drink on turn Netflix or get going? <laughs> right. Like so. <laughs> yeah. If you think about it in that way, which is actually how it happens. Yeah. Then it's easier. But you're like ah. That seems really hard. Yeah. <laughs> this other one where you're literally living in a the worst possible yeah. situation ever. 
Yeah, I think that's worse. Yeah, way worse. You that's hell. That's you, life. You choose that's your hell. heart, though. And so... You choose your heart. Yeah. And so I think that if people can kind of make that process, not saying the other one's easy. Yeah. Like figuring out all the things that you're really, really bad at yeah. and you have to get good at to get the job that you want and then do like 1,000 interviews and only get accepted once yeah. and have everyone else say, you know, we don't need you, we don't need you, we don't need you, we don't need you. To we don't get need to you. the point though where you're interviewing, I mean, you're, all, you're in the home stretch. Right. It's that hard part in between. But that's why I think you relate it back to jiu-jitsu. You start doing something that makes you uncomfortable. It starts. It helps you understand. It gives you self-confidence. Mm -hmm. That self-confidence will help you recognize where you're not good, what skills you do want to develop, or what money you need to save, or what loan you need to take out, or what's your actual plan. It'll have confidence to take a step forward. That's where I think jiu-jitsu really helps. It, yeah. it, is it, it's not about competing. It's not about fighting. Uh, very few people in our gym actually compete, right. like have been to an actual competition. Right. Um, I... I, we don't hear a lot of stories about people getting in fistfights. Never in the gym, right? It's it's not once it's, uh, have I heard about that, and not once have I ever heard anyone even wanting to do that. No, no, like that has like that's farthest from it when yeah. I think about it. Very few people in our gym get hurt, right? Right. Very few people are are walking away with with. Like, I mean, you might there's like, bumps and bruises all the time. You're going to pull a muscle, of right? Like you're out of shape. Your back's going to feel a little icky. You and know? if you're getting closer to forty or or past forty or or whatever, you're you're going to be, uh, your body's going to let you know what you can do more of. Mm -hmm. It's usually stretch and drink water. Right. right. You can do more yoga and do and drink more water and get more sleep. Yeah. But it will give you that confidence that it'll help you understand the, um, the capabilities that you have, the, the, the essentially superpowers that you have mm -hmm. already locked inside you that you're just not tapping into. And it's because it's, I think it's usually because people are scared or lack the self-confidence or awareness that they can actually do something to develop those skills that maybe they are, maybe they do need to get better at commu communicating, mm -hmm. right? Or listening. You're probably already good at it and you enjoy doing it. Like I, there's, there's so many things that you can, if you were going to follow your dreams and do something, um, focus on what you can do. Don't focus on what you can't do because there's so many people that are so talented out there and we're all so connected because of the internet. You're going to find somebody who can, do something for you at a reasonable price and that's your goal right mm. like like if you don't like editing like if you if you genuinely don't like editing right like i i um i don't like scheduling right i will pay somebody to schedule something and and handle written communication before i'll actually do it because it'll take me if i had to edit videos three in the, do it till three in the morning it would take me four days mm -hmm. to edit and it would suck whereas i can pay somebody to do it right they'll get it done in 20 minutes right and do so much better that for me that that would be worth it but that's a goal be like well i don't have the money to do that right. well then then find like that's your that's your growth opportunity your growth opportunity isn't get better at editing your growth opportunity is to maximize your time not i'm talking to you specifically, no I, but it's 100 percent fact but it, it's your growth opportunity is figure out how you can either sacrifice right if, if netflix if a netflix subscription would pay for an editing service every month cancel netflix Right. Look where you can either save or make money so that you can maximize um, building relationships, mm -hmm. reaching out, getting the next guest. Because somebody else can edit. Nobody else can sit here and do this. Right. Right. Nobody else can, can somebody else might be able to schedule this, but nobody's going to build that authentic relationship on uh, LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or wherever you're going to reach out to people or jujitsu or mm -hmm. in real life. Nobody else is going to do that to get them on podcast. Somebody else can edit. Somebody else can do sound. Somebody else can do whatever. But 
you know, that, that's where I think if somebody is looking at their dreams, if you're looking at making a change, don't look at everything you can't do. Think about why you want to do it, what your life is going to look like if you do it, when you do it, and then start looking at, at, at what you actually want to do and what it takes to take the first step because you're not going to have a plan for 100%. You'll never have a 100% plan, right? And just like we were talking about with the podcast, it's never going to go to plan, right? If, if Jackson... It, uh, Jackson Stone in episode two, what do you think his plan was for 130? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. what, what do you think it actually would have looked like? Right. It would have looked completely different. Yeah. Completely, completely different. But you had a plan. You stuck with the plan. You showed up. The plan is just there to get you. To, it, the plan needs to be good enough to get you to take the first step. Right. That's it. Because you can always change the plan. You can always adapt the plan. Mm-hmm. But it needs to get you good. It needs to be good enough to get you to take the first step. And so that's when you when you say motivated. I think some of those things are they're motivating because they're just motivating you to take the first step or the next step. And that's where that's where it's really important. But I think with jujitsu, it just gives you um, help me realize how good I am not, right? Mm-hmm. How how uh, how badass I am actually not. Um, and then that if I show up with something, I can get better at it. Yeah. Or do something consistently. Do something consistently. Yeah. With you know, do something consistently with intention. I think that's right. the thing. So, I mean, for jujitsu, some days I'm just showing up. But now, thankfully to uh, Ricardo, it's my mindset might be physically, mentally, I'm not here. Like I'm literally just showing up. My goal is to just move. Like if I get in a bad position, it's not to stay there. It's just to move. It's, mm-hmm. it's to do something rather than do nothing. Because when I first started, if I'm tired physically and mentally, I'm getting smashed. Like I'm just laying there. Right. Now I know I can just move a little bit. Right. And it's doing something is going to lead to better results than just doing nothing. Right. Some, some micro goals to lead up to whatever yeah. the ultimate goal yeah. is. You know, whether that be just getting better at jujitsu. Yes. Right. And, and I think tournaments can be cool to like test your skills. Yeah, for sure. You know, cause as, as that's why I started doing jujitsu because I was doing Krav Maga. Yeah. Just in the same complex. And there's no like, there's no testing of my skills. Right. Right, because Krav Maga is meant for if, if someone get jumped by somebody, if nice, someone literally tries to rob me, yeah. or tries to break into my house, or tries yeah. to beat the shit out of my girlfriend, or whatever it yeah. is, right? I'm ending that situation as quickly as possible yeah. because it's already escalated past like the talking stage. Right. Someone has literally tried to harm me, and so I'm doing whatever I can to yeah. fix that. And you can't practice that in the gym, no. right? You can go over some of the movements and the mechanics and the technology and the mindset, whatever, whatever, whatever. But you can't go full speed, yeah. right? Because people get hurt. That's yeah. the idea. You're trying to hurt someone or defend yourself. Um, and so I was like, I like it, but I need, I need, I need some like competitiveness. Yeah. Like I need something where I can just like get after it full speed a little bit. Yeah. And then you have the mindset of being that, like if you have the Krav Maga skills and then you take that into a competition, having that mindset of being able to apply something full force, you're not doing, you know, you're not shoving somebody's nose through their brain. But, right. Um, or, or, but, but you're gripping as tight as you can. You're, you're right? trying as hard as you can. And mentally, um, within reason, I mean, you, you're, you're, there to defeat that human being like you're right. you're there to and then hug him afterwards win. yep like dude you showed up too great job yeah. cheers they do that in every ufc fight man that's a, like so almost every ufc fight i've as, only done, I watched i've only done two competitions right yeah. I've, I've only done two jujitsu competitions and, and my first one had no idea what was going on scared to death the second didn't really talk to anybody the second one uh i was i was more comfortable and i was talking to somebody and this guy had only been doing it for two months and he was like he was like oh man it's like but you think about how many 38 year olds at that at that in dfw right in dallas fort worth how many 38 year old white belts are doing jujitsu who did not show up to that competition a ton 
right? He already beat all of them. Right. And that's what went through. I didn't tell him that. I thought about it afterwards. <laughs> but, you should have. Um, I didn't think about it. But that's my mindset now is, is you know, you're, by showing up, you're already beating everybody else. Like if, because I, I, go, I go to competition really fast in my head. Um, like I, I, I love competition. I love racing. That's what I love about swimming was, was building up and then racing. I loved beating somebody else or, or, or I love beating somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, hated losing, loved winning, but love the race. People that don't show up, you're already beating them. Mm-hmm. Like if you need, to, if you're like me and you draw, draw your ego from winning, um, you're already beating those people because just because they didn't even show up. Right. Right. That's That was, they have the, no chance at getting it done. No chance. No Not chance. One. So you do your, I mean, if you're, if you're podcasting right now and you do your 11th episode, like my goal, if I started a podcast would be to get to 11. Mm-hmm. And then set the next goal. I didn't realize most people don't even make it to 10. Yeah. It's those tiny goals. You're beating everybody else just because you chose to... To be consistent. To do something. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. We're cruising, man. We are. This is great. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I don't want to keep you too long. So I will ask you my final question. Okay. But before asking my final question, because I don't like to end, end, uh, end on that stuff. Uh, if people want to find out uh, more about your company, where should they go? Um, you can send me a message on Instagram. Yeah. Just Damon.Rourke. We'll, we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. We'll have more about, uh, we're, we have some exciting stuff going on with the slide edge that we'll be announcing, um, soon, really, really soon. Yeah. So the first quarter, uh, yeah, we have some really exciting stuff that I can't announce now, but we will. Yeah, we will. Well, we can bring you, you and, uh, we'll utilize the we'll author back on for yeah. the, for the, uh, yeah. for that. But, um, great. So here's my final question. Okay. If you, personally, were going to create a billboard mm. and you're going to put this billboard up and millions of people were going to see this billboard every single day. Yes. What are you going to put on it? It have to do with what we were just talking about. It's um, um, something is better than nothing, period. Do something. Something is better than nothing, period. Do something. Do something. I love it. I think most people just stop thinking, just do something. Mm-hmm. You spend enough time listening to podcasts. You spend enough time watching YouTube videos. You right. spend enough time reading books. Um, if you're prepared, just do something and then go back to all that stuff. But yeah, take some action. But you have to go out and do. Yeah. Or you're ever going to know what you need to then tweak. Yeah. You, you have to go out and do. You have learned knowledge and activity knowledge. Get learn some knowledge act- and activity Get some activity knowledge. knowledge. You spend yeah. enough time in the classroom. Get out and do something. And then you can apply all this, this learned knowledge that you're consuming. But there's so many great podcasts like this one out there that are just filled with personal development, that are filled with tips and the main point, everything we've been talking about is do something, mm-hmm. take one step forward, and then all of this stuff makes sense. But right. if you're not moving forward, if you're not taking action, some, some kind of action, um, then it's, at some point it's just useless. You're just sitting there and you're, you're staying in school rather than getting out in the real world. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's a great way to end it. I like it. Yeah, I man. Like it. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks for uh, I appreciate Yeah, I appreciate you, you, you sharing all your knowledge. You're coming on. <laughs> that was fun. Your insight, your wisdom. We should do it again. Yeah, for sure. Okay, good. I'd love to. Um, Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening, watching, wherever it was, YouTube, Spotify, Apple. I appreciate it. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe or give us a review on any of those platforms. And uh, come back every single Tuesday for a brand new episode. But most importantly, uh, most importantly, please take good care of yourselves and others. And I'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.